You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. she, her, hers, uh, the teaching pastor here at Forefront, part of the executive council. I am thrilled to be able to share today. Happy Palm Sunday um, to those in the house and to those joining us virtually. And yes, we are continuing our Lenten series. We have one more week in the wilderness. And our theme today is peace, not warfare. And our text today comes from Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. And it reads, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say. And they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So even though the never-ending events around the globe, the wars, the atrocities that we are seeing day by day continue to persist, this is still a significant time on the Christian calendar. It's the Lenten season, and our time of journeying in the wilderness has been a wonderful time of reflection, renewal, and preparation for the commemoration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So whether you're new to the faith 
whether you are reconstructing your faith, whether you are rediscovering scripture and very familiar with scripture, whether you are reintroducing yourself to church, everyone, no matter what stage we are in, has an opportunity to interact with our great God. We all have an opportunity to be renewed and know that we are loved and know that Messiah has come to bring peace and not warfare. As I read today's passage, some of you may have reflected on the tradition of this particular Sunday, Palm Sunday, the tradition of receiving palms. I know that whenever I would receive palms, I would make a cross or someone would make it for me. And I would take this cross home and I would put it in my room and it would decorate my room. And even as a young person, it was so very significant to me because it was a reminder that Jesus loved me. It was a reminder that my faith was real and significant. It was a reminder that what I was doing meant something to me. Palm Sunday and the events that followed have left an indelible impression on my life. It has helped me to make this global celebration and recognition very intimate, very personal. However, there was a part of me that was always a bit unsettled. I mean, we one day on Palm Sunday would be extolling the excellency of Jesus and just five days later, on Good Friday, a crowd would yell, crucify him. And people would abandon him and reject him, even those closest to him. While we don't necessarily know whether or not it was the same group on Palm Sunday that celebrated him that was the same group on Good Friday, we don't necessarily know if these two groups groups were exactly the same. What we do know is that the religious leaders were becoming very annoyed and frustrated because Jesus had quite the following. Jesus was becoming too popular for them. And we do know that as the week progressed, those individuals that were trusting in Jesus and being open to Jesus's ministry, Jesus's public ministry, as the week progressed, these individuals were frustrated because the kingdom of God that they thought Jesus was going to set up was not what Jesus actually had in mind. They were looking for an almighty king. They were looking for an all-powerful king to be able to overthrow the Roman Empire that had oppressed them for so long. They wanted to destroy the enemy. And Jesus had something else in mind. Jesus had a kingdom in mind 
that was infused with hope and love. Jesus had a kingdom in mind where social and economic and restorative justice would be the order of the day and would be the central focus. What Jesus had in mind was a kingdom of God that would promote peace and not warfare. Well, maybe some of you can relate to someone in your life having certain expectations for you, and then things change, and then you're rejected. I know I've had a number of instances in my life where people had certain expectations for me, and I did not live up to those expectations. There were times when we disagreed, and then there were times that we had to end our ties. But how can we continue to negotiate these relationships, and how can we continue to be agents of change that does not crush and destroy those that we care about? How can we bring about restoration and healing rather than destruction? Maybe as we move throughout today's sermon and maybe as we move throughout this week, these questions will continue to be considered. So here we are at the start of all of the action, ushering in Holy Week and the passion of Jesus Christ and we are making our way right to Calvary, where Jesus displays the ultimate act of love by dying on a cross. So let's unify our hearts as we push towards the final lap. And those of you who run a half marathon or a marathon or maybe you ran track, you know about that last lap. You know about those last minutes in the race the time that is the most grueling, the time when you have to exert the most energy. But the good news is, it's the home stretch, and we are making our way to the finish line. And Jesus is right there with us all the way. And next Sunday, we get to rejoice, and we get to bring meaning to our mourning, and we get to bring triumph to our tragedy. So at this point in time, Jesus has been very active in his public ministry of healing and restoration and preaching about the kingdom of God. He has had many conversations with his followers about his betrayal and death and resurrection. And even though they heard it, they didn't comprehend the full meaning of what Jesus was attempting to convey. So today's story takes place during the time of the Passover and the holy city of Jerusalem was crowded with pilgrims who had come for the annual celebration. And Jesus makes a request for a cult that had not been ridden. So what was the significance of this particular animal? Well, it is believed that it was used for special events and for sacred and religious practices. 
and it was believed that this was the fulfillment of Scripture. We find in Zechariah 9 and 9 these words, Shout and cheer, daughter Zion. Raise your voice, daughter Jerusalem. Your king is coming, a good king who makes all things right. A humble king riding a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. Jesus knew that these specific instructions were all part of God's plan. He was setting in motion his triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the Messiah, as the anointed one. He was also setting in motion the events that would ultimately lead to his death, resurrection, and ascension. This was the appointed time that he would make public his identity, where we would understand who Messiah is, the big reveal, if you will. This would be the occasion where he would be celebrated as king of Israel. And as we know, any time some sort of king or dignitary enters a town, there is great excitement. I remember being in high school and I was a cheerleader and our governor of the state of New Jersey was coming to our town. And the band was there and our town officials and the cheerleaders and the flag twirlers and so many people from the community had gathered together for this great event. There was so much fanfare and excitement. Well, as Jesus entered the city, he was the center of the celebration, and there was quite a bit of fanfare. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this donkey, representing peace and humility. And crowds of people spread their coats on the ground right in front of him. And this was similar to rolling out the red carpet, if you will. And some wave branches of palm trees. This was a sign of victory. And the people shouted, praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor, David. Praise God in the highest heaven. They cried, praise God or Hosanna. This was a shout of jubilation, hope, and exultation. Another shout was blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when Jews gathered from around the world for Passover, this was their official greeting at the temple. And it has messianic implications, for the Jews referred to their coming Messiah as the one who is coming. They also cried, blessing on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. The prophets had foretold that the Messiah would reign on David's throne forever. This Passover, unlike previous ones, offered hope that this Jesus might be the Messiah who was coming to sit on David's throne. Only a king would be greeted in this manner. And their love and adoration and reverence was strong because people wanted Jesus 
to be their king, Jesus, the one who had walked among them and miraculously healed them from all manner of sickness and disease. Jesus, the one who had gently and lovingly touched people who were deemed unclean. Jesus, the one who acknowledged those individuals who others thought were insignificant. Jesus, who continued to challenge customs and institutional systems of his day by offering a way of life that brought people in rather than kick people out. Jesus offered a way of grace, love, and abundant living. Does that sound familiar, Forefront Church? Amen. He paved the way for you and me to have connection with him, to have a victorious entry into his family. He essentially turned their world upside down. In Donald Crable's book, The Upside Down Kingdom, he talks about the central theme in Jesus' ministry being the kingdom of God or the kingdom of of heaven. This kingdom points to an inverted or upside down way of life that contrasts with the prevailing social order. This kingdom, which is not an actual physical place per se, can operate whenever, wherever, and with whomever opens themselves up and joins God in her work. The kingdom of God is present, it's dynamic, and as we love and connect with God, ourselves, and others, God's kingdom and sovereignty become more and more evident in our lives. In the final verse of today's story, it says, So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went after looking around carefully, at everything. He left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Some translations say he went into the temple courts. The fact that Jesus took the time to go into the temple after his triumphal entry really drew me in. Text says that Jesus looked around carefully. Perhaps he was pondering upon the events that were to come. Perhaps he was looking at the various separations and divisions in the temple. Maybe he looked at the outer court, had a look at the inner court, or the court of priests. Maybe he had a look at the holy place, which houses the holy of holies, where priests could enter every year to offer sacrifice for the people. Maybe he looked upon the court of women, as Reverend Josh talked about a couple of weeks ago, the place, the designated place, where women were to sit in the upper balcony Maybe he looked at the court of Gentiles and so on. And maybe he reflected on that space 
And maybe he realized that there were divisions now, but there would not always be divisions among the people. And maybe he thought about the veil of the temple, which would ultimately be torn in two. And that would create access for all people to Jesus. The Holy of Holies would be open to everyone, Jews and Gentiles, all religions and identities for all times would get to enter. Through Jesus' act of love, we would all have an all-access pass, VIP privileges to Jesus, to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need. In preparation for today's sermon, there was something that kept drawing me in as it related to entry points. Entering. Entering. And when the disciples were going to the village to get the donkey, they were told, as you enter it, they found the cult at a doorway. It was another entry point. Jesus entered Jerusalem. And finally, Jesus enters the temple. Perhaps the triumphal entry has helped us understand that Messiah has come for each of us so that we all have access. And perhaps this triumphal entry has helped us to understand that Jesus has paved the way so that we can all have connection and relationship with Jesus. This special event served as a point of entry and access for everyone. One of TV's most iconic moments and one of Internet's favorite memes is from the Oprah Winfrey show. And it was the time that Oprah Winfrey surprised her entire guest audience with a car. There were 300 individuals in the audience that day that came in with no idea that they would be leaving with a car. Do any of you remember that episode or heard about that episode? Okay, so I think it's awesome that Oprah was able to do this for so many people. And she continues her philanthropic endeavors today. I would venture to say that we have a better gift. That we have the ultimate gift. And that gift is Jesus Christ. And because Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God, we can love our neighbor. We can give generously to the poor. We can be agents of change. We can be quick to forgive. We can be quick to show mercy. And we can work together to become friends virtually and with people in person from all backgrounds and experiences. And we can embrace peace and not vengeance and not warfare. So listen, 
while Oprah says, you get a car, you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> As a result of the love of Jesus, it does not matter where you live and what abilities you have. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your sexuality. It doesn't matter where you work. Because of the love of Jesus and because of the kingdom of God, you get to enter. You get to enter. You get to enter. Everybody gets to enter. Everybody. Everybody gets to enter because Messiah has come for everyone, offering peace and not warfare. And there is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost because that's the kingdom of God and the people of God say. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.